0: AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, Brett Johnson, with you here on a Tuesday afternoon. And we're joined by Patrick Culican, who is the editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Reformer, Minnesota Reformer.com, for the latest in Minnesota news and politics. As today in our conversation with Patrick, we'll mainly be focusing on the comings and goings at the Capitol, including how the DFL might be spending that $17 billion budget surplus as we are uh, entering uh, the middle of the session and even getting towards the end of the session. Plus, we'll talk a little bit about the Ticketmaster fiasco and what Minnesota House of Representative members are planning to do with Ticketmaster. So, Patrick, as always, thanks for coming back on the show today. Always a pleasure. So, let's start talking about that $17 billion budget surplus and how DFLers might try to use that surplus. The DFL certainly does have unity on issues like education funding, paid family leave, and tuition free college for Minnesota students. But The state tax on Social Security benefits could be a sticking point. Where do we stand right now in terms of possibly eliminating or changing how we tax Social Security benefits in Minnesota?
1: Well, there's uh, a number of, of DFL members, especially in the close districts that were instrumental to the DFL taking control of the legislature, who campaigned on the issue of eliminating state tax on Social Security benefits. Uh, And I think that they are probably telling their caucuses, look, I campaigned on this and uh, it really resonated with voters in the district and my door knocking. And here we are. And we kind of got a deliver here on the other side. However, you have um, some um, more progressive Democrats who are saying, well, look, this tax cut uh, leaves out 55 percent of all Social Security recipients. They wouldn't get anything out of this. They don't currently pay state tax on their Social Security benefits, um, and in the meantime, the cost of this is uh, could be significant. It could be one. If you do the whole subtraction, it's one point two billion dollars, and it's only going to rise over time because of the aging population. Um, and so they they see that money um, tilting toward the wealthy. And growing over time, and that just cuts into their other priorities. So I think there's going to be a debate about, uh, about that, uh, that issue, um, although it's going to be one of several debates I think we're going to see in the coming weeks.
0: Well, one other area of likely debate is going to be uh, what to do uh, w- in terms of sending that money back to Minnesota families. What are the proposals right now for sending checks to Minnesotans? And what is the likelihood of that passing this session? Are there differences between what the legislature is proposing and the House and Senate and even Governor Walls? Because certainly it looks like we are going to get some sort of rebate check. It's just a matter, it seems, of uh, how much and who's going to be targeted, correct?
1: Yeah, Governor Walls uh, introduced this proposal uh, last year, called it Walls Checks, in uh, a touch of brilliant marketing. Um, and uh, Republicans uh, were absolutely uh, opposed to it. Um, they were holding on, hoping that they would control the legislature and then they could cut income tax rates instead. Uh, but uh, the Democrats ended up winning the election. Walls has, has proposed it, um, and he's proposed a. That- a thousand dollars for an individual filer making less than seventy-five thousand dollars a year, and two thousand uh, for joint filers. Interestingly, his proposal has a hard cap. So if you make seventy-five thousand and one dollar, you're out. Um, now the, uh, the the taxes chairs are uh, are presenting the governor's budget. It's it's generally done as a as an act of courtesy for the sitting governor. Uh, that's happening today and tomorrow. As far as the consensus in the legislature, um, you know, I'm not sure that there's uh, huge excitement in, in, the DSL caucuses, uh, for this kind of, um, plan. Um, I think that they think there might be better uses for it. Um, on the tax side, specifically a child tax credit, uh, which would give cash to people with children and then also uh, working family credit, which is a uh, cash, uh, that goes out to essentially the working poor. So um, I'm a little uh, I'm a little ifier than you are about whether or not uh, there's going to be this rebate. I I do think in the end, uh, if the governor really wants it, then it's going to be hard for his DFL colleagues to say no. And I also think there's probably going to be some some more uh, significant pressure on uh, Democratic lawmakers uh, from a, a uh, renewed Republican. Push and they're going to. Uh, I think I think they can they can run a strong uh, opposition campaign here that says, look, we've got this surplus, and I think the average Minnesotan is aware of the surplus. And what are you, uh, you know, what are you doing with it? You're going to uh, spend more money on this and that, but what about my own expenses, given the the increased cost of uh, everything uh, from eggs to electricity? So I still think it remains to be seen, um, how that rebate, uh, situation plays out.
0: Now, Republicans today also put out their own plan for what they would like to do with that surplus. Do we have any idea kind of what they're proposing or what their thoughts are on what they want to do with rebate checks and tax cuts? Since obviously we know that's usually a big issue with Republicans.
1: Yeah, they, they are, uh, giving money away left and right, um, uh, unfortunately for them, they're in the minority and this stuff is not going to pass. Uh, but they want to give away a an even bigger rebate check, twelve fifty for individual filers and twenty five hundred for for joint filers and there'd be no income limit. so a millionaire would get uh, the the check just as much as you or I would. Uh, they also want to end completely the the state tax on social security benefits. They do a child tax credit um, and then uh, they also want to uh, reduce income tax rates by one percentage point each of the the lower two brackets um of course that again rich people would also benefit from that so you know you're going to hear democrats say that a this is tilted toward the wealthy um and b uh, you're going to be putting us in a precarious fiscal situation and if there's a recession a really serious one uh, then we're going to be forced to either raise taxes or make cuts Uh, to important programs like education and health and human services. Well, you touched
0: on an idea earlier that most Minnesotans in general are aware that, of course, we have this big budget surplus. But I wanted to bring this up because, well, in another media publication, the Star Tribune, obviously, they wrote an article talking about how Democrats are moving fast on so many bills right now. And you had some interesting thoughts on this right now, how maybe the public is not paying quite as close attention to the legislature as, well, a lot of insiders like you and me kind of – pay attention to. So I'm curious what your thoughts are, because right now, before the Democrats obviously have to tackle many of these types of budget issues, they have passed many popular issues, or at least working on popular issues like legalizing cannabis, also uh, codifying abortion access, and possibly even legalizing sports betting. So I guess my question is how much attention does the public kind of pay it to these issues especially when it comes to fiscal issues or i'm curious what your thoughts are because it's easy when you and i talk about what's happening at the legislature to kind of forget that the public at large really isn't paying that close attention to what's happening
1: yeah generally speaking um and this is a frustration for me uh as someone who who covers the legislature and I, I thought that there was a lot of interesting stuff happening a lot of a lot of policy that affected uh millions of minnesotans and i thought we did a decent job covering it and yet no, nobody paid <laughs> nobody seemed to care that much and uh you know you you ask the average person they don't necessarily know who their legislator is and i i, I kind of get all that is it's because people are busy and very often the legislature especially in recent years has been divided so you know one side says this the other side says the other the each you know the, the senate would pass something and then the house would pass something else and then they couldn't agree and then there'd be this big kind of uh, fight at the end and somehow they would manage to keep the government uh, running, up and running, um, and that would be about it. Um, this, this session is certainly different. They, the Democrats have gotten down to work, and I think all you heard, uh, what you've been hearing a lot of, I mean, I think that's sort of the, what, what prompts that Star Tribune story is, is there the, the risk of overreach here, that they they have misread the electorate, that they're pushing too hard, and, you know, they think they had this, this mandate for progressive change and they, they really didn't. Um, but if you I tend to think if you look at these bills, um, restoring voting rights to to people who have a, a, a felony but are now no longer incarcerated or a driver's license for people who are undocumented. Um, the, the codifying abortion rights you mentioned, th- these are issues that um, are broadly popular with the Democratic base. And so you make them happy. There are no real uh, strong interest groups um, who you're really uh, you're you're not taking anything from anyone. Mm. Um, You know, we already have abortion rights. So sure, we're putting into law and you're going to anger the 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 anti-abortion folks, but they were never on your side anyway. Um, So I think these bills, you know, yeah, they're they're moving quickly. They're passing them. I don't really see any political downside. Um, I do think that there's there's higher stakes when it comes to the fiscal issues um, because it just affects more people. It's how much money I have in my pocket, how much do I pay in taxes? um, Are they giving me any help on college tuition, childcare, healthcare? And so I think that's where they're, they're going to, I'm sure they're going to be cognizant of the fact that we really need to give some uh, tangible benefits to people whether it's a rebate, child tax credit, um, or it's free tuition or uh, free child care, those tangible benefits, people need to see that. Uh, and, and I think, you know, if, if they do, uh, then I think that they can come out of this um, pretty pretty pleased uh, w- with how the session went.
0: And final topic to talk to you about, and this is one that I think a lot of people on both sides of the aisle can agree on, that something needs to be done about Ticketmaster, and Live Nation. I want to talk a little bit about an article that Grace Deng was working on, titled, After Taylor Swift Ticketmaster Fiasco, Minnesota House Looks to Require Ticket Price Transparency. And a lot of this has to do with what's cleverly titled, House File, 1989. So I'm curious, what exactly is in this recently advanced bill, at least it was advanced through a Minnesota House committee, how does it aim to address some of the issues we've been seeing with ticket masters, ticket selling practices, this bill in the house?
1: So the, it's, it's mostly a transparency bill. So it would kind of tell you what you're paying upfront for fees and charges. And then it would also uh, prevent what they're calling uh, double dipping or that's when fees are charged every time a ticket is sold and then resold by the same company. So Ticketmaster ticket master charges the fees once. They can't they can't charge those fees again when the ticket is resold. Um, you know the the one thing that the this that it leaves is left out here is is what's called dynamic pricing, and that's when the, the demand for a, let's say a, a Taylor Swift concert goes up, then they raise their prices based on their um, their you know their algorithm. And and apparently they uh, they can't really they don't want to ban dynamic pricing because it's widely used now and and really often saves people a lot of money and, other industries like, uh, you know, airlines and uh, uh, Uber, like if nobody's using Uber, then you're going to pay less. The same with the airlines. Um, And and also, I mean, realistically, this is an issue for the feds. Um, You know, I think that the the legislature can work around the edges here, um, but this is a, a, a behemoth company uh, that was allowed to get too big, and um, and the federal government's going to have to um, going to have to t- take some antitrust action here um, to to break up this um, what is functionally a monopoly. Um, because when you when you buy tickets to events, generally speaking, you pretty much have one choice, and that's Ticketmaster, and it gives them a massive pricing power, um, which all of us experience when we buy tickets.
0: Yeah, I certainly like some of the transparency provisions in the bill, but I do have questions as to whether uh, how effective this might be. And I think you kind of addressed why uh, why Minnesota is kind of limited on this, because simply when it comes to talking about that monopoly power, as he said, that's something that's largely going to come from the federal government. But as he said, we can still at least kind of uh, do things around the edges here at the state level. And maybe the transparency uh, can help a little bit in terms of uh, trying to get some of these outrageous fees at least reduced a little bit
1: yeah I, I think you know what what pleases me is that this really shows that uh, antitrust is has become part of the the conversation in a way that it wasn't um even five but especially ten years ago and I think there's just a a, a better understanding by the public um, and uh Legislators and not just Democratic legislators. Um, There's an interest in this uh, on on agriculture amongst Republicans and and certainly big tech. They they have uh, come out against that. Uh, There's there's just an understanding that bigger is not necessarily better and that these companies, when they become too powerful, it can be bad uh, for consumers, for workers and for communities. So I I think that uh, I I take this as a good sign um, that we're we're moving on antitrust issues.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree. Glad uh, that's coming a little bit more to the forefront, not just on the Ticketmaster industry, but lots of others as well. We have been speaking with Patrick Kulikan. He is the editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Reformer. Make sure you check out their great reporting with the latest in Minnesota news and politics over at minnesotareformer.com. Patrick, thanks again for the time today for coming on. Always a pleasure. And let's take a break and send things back over to Matt McNeil on AM 950.